You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee hober? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, is isn't going on? Just got back from Austin, Texas. Went to Voodoo Donuts so many times, half the staff knows my name. And as I hear it, Cousin Shane, you're just like Nick Saban. You beat the COVID. I beat it, man. I beat it. I, I was, uh, as uh, listeners probably know, or probably wonder where we, uh, where the heck we were. Uh, you were on vacation, and I was fighting for my life, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It wasn't that bad, uh, and I'm not making light of the COVID because there was there was some some dicey situations. But uh, I, I have beat it. I have come out to the other side. I still can't still can't smell and taste, you know. So that's I think that's the only thing I'm really dealing with. But uh, uh, that's not a bad thing, Mike. You know, now I'm eating healthy because I can't taste it. So might as well try to lose capitalize on the moment. Try to lose a little lbs, you know. Yeah, so back in the spring, the listeners missed it. Go back and check this one out. Shane detailed what it's Uh like to go through a COVID test. So give us a little uh, what it was like actually finding out you had it because, hey, we can laugh about it now because, you, like you said, you came out on the other side. But, hell, I was scared for you, brother, when I heard that news. Well, you know, you always hear you hear all the horror stories, you know. So, so as soon as the the lady comes back, you know, I'm not thinking anything of it because I figured she'd come back with some sort of, you know, like ribbons or something, you know, tie my car. But she came back. She, you did the test from the vehicle, and she come back. She says you're positive. I was like, and then it's just like my world sunk in for a second. And I was like, wait, what? You know? And she's telling me all this stuff, and I got to go get this and this. So I know I'm at CVS. I'm like, I got to call the wife, let her know. 
there's, you know, and then in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, no, you know, what if it, I mean, you just think all the worst. I, I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, and, and I know it does affect a lot of people in the worst way, but, um, and it may have done, like, it may affect me different than the next person. I understand that, but man, I went total freak out mode there for a second, like, because you don't know what's going to happen. You just, you feel like this little aliens inside of you, you know, moving <laughs> around and you don't know what's going to go, what's going to happen. So I get there to the house and, uh, you know, I'm quarantined. I'm in my little cell here. We've got everything set up. So I can't come out, you know, my wife, you know, she's trying to stay away, the kids and all that stuff. Uh, so, so we're trying to stay healthy where I'm like, uh, life in a bubble, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm online, man. And I probably shouldn't have done this. I, I went down several YouTube, you know, <laughs> rabbit holes and, and I'm trying to figure out why my smell and my taste is gone. And then it's like, I learned more about the body this week, Mike, than I have my entire life. I was like, I was like, uh, you ever see that movie, uh, National Treasures with uh, Nicolas Cage? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you find a little clue, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, that's that was me. I was like, I, I was figuring out the anatomy of the nose and why I can't taste. And uh, it was it's like, oh, this is the sour part of the tongue. It makes sense. You know? <laughs> Needless to say, man, uh, um, I, I was worried there for a long time, but it never got down to my lungs or anything like that. Never even had a cough. So, again, and it, it it hits people different, I guess. You know, I was exhausted. My sinuses are still acting up a little bit, but uh, I thought it was just a sinus deal. And, uh, you know, I go back uh, next uh, in a couple of days and, Hopefully get a negative test so I can get back to work, man. Absolutely, Shane. Well, that's, you know, the best news that uh, we're going to get on this show. But, you know, leave it to EA Sports, brother. Drop the bomb on us while I was away. (laughs) We got tons tons of SEC content coming here in just a minute. We're going to go around the league with a lot to catch up on uh, with, you know, not having a show for a week. But that was kind of the biggest news while we were out. NCAA video game football video game from ea sports is making a return mm-hmm. that's the good news the bad news they said well hell it's probably two or three years out <laughs> why why is it two or three years out like what have you guys been doing you're making fifa you know it shouldn't be too hard to just reboot it, what i one of the best things i heard was okay we'll just release the last ncaa <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> We just give us what you got. And, you know, we understand that it's not going to be great, but at least we can play the old NCAA. But I understand that the, there's, there's, I guess they're still doing the whole likeness thing, right? Is that what you're hearing? Like they still got to get all that uh, approved and, and whatnot. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing where they, so they came out with this big announcement. And I thought that meant, okay, here in a couple months, here's the game you can enjoy like you always do in the summer but um so there's just not been a whole lot of information following their announcement that uh, it is coming but i think that is a hurdle that they're going to have to get over and they're anticipating that uh, the the name image and likeness issues will be resolved by the time this game comes out but hell again that's only i think if they include players in it and all that and yeah may you know give you the ability to insert players names hell just do away with all that i say and that's what uh, I'll go, I'll go quarterback number seven. I'll just use that guy until <laughs> I plug in my dynasty and I recruit my own guys. You know what? That's that's the thing, man. And this is something we we've talked about in the past. It's like we don't need the players. 
I mean, if, if you're a huge NCAA lover and, and you're a big dynasty follower, I mean, seriously, you're by day four, you're already out of the current roster. You're already recruiting your own guys and, and whatnot. So I don't understand what this whole likeness thing because we don't need the players. Now, I understand that, you know, years past, there's been the, of course, you know, Mike, the, the little, remember the old memory card floating around that had the rosters <laughs> on it and everything. So some, there's a lot of folks that are going to sit there and they're going to fix the roster so that it does mirror these. But again, if EA Sports is coming out with generic names and, and generic players, then then they shouldn't be held accountable, I wouldn't think, unless you could just remove that ability to you know to alter players if you do that then well, i don't see what's wrong just roll it out so mm-hmm. uh I, any, at any rate i'm excited i'm pumped up for it and uh i just hate that we again here we are in the waiting game so a couple of years from now they, they were surprised too if you looked at some of the ea guys they're like oh man i can't believe everybody it's like what do you mean you can't believe how many times do we have to Tweet Ed O'Bannon's uh, name to you, you know. It's just whatever. <laughs> I see if I see that bastard game stock, Mike. I'm telling you, I'm going to be throwing down. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you better believe any and all information that uh, comes forward with the pending release of the new NCAA football game. We'll talk about it here. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, buddy, we got a ton of news to get around. You ready to? Uh, we got a ton of news to get to. You ready to go around the league? <laughs> you still on vacation, man? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go now around the league. My my daughter's said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shadow, another thing we missed, <laughs> National Signing Day. But, hell, I knew going into this thing that, uh, you know, there was only a handful of, you know, to maybe 10 players that uh, we really had our eyes on going into the National Signing Period. You know, the, the early signing period really is the the new signing period. This is just kind of what's left with the class, you know it? So, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be that big of a deal, and it, it didn't really turn out to be, I think, the biggest storyline, of course, just Alabama just going gangbusters, not only on the SEC, but the entire nation with uh, these recruiting analysts saying Alabama got the greatest recruiting class of all time mm. since their last greatest recruiting class of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same story, different day. You know what? Yeah, geez. Good for them, man. You know, it's fine. They, they haven't had any breaks to go their way yet, Mike. You know, so it's good, good for them. Good for Saban and the boys. Now I'm going to run down uh, again. I'm not going to break down all the the commitments because, like I said, hell, they most of them already happened. But I'm just going to list the uh, SEC teams, Shane, in the uh, top 25. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm going by the uh, 24/7 Sports Composite rankings. Alabama number one, Georgia number three, LSU number four, 
Texas A&M, number seven. Florida, number 13. Tennessee, number 16. Ole Miss, 18. Arkansas, 24. And Mississippi State, 25. And mm. the other teams there just outside the uh, top 25. Now, this is just through SEC rankings. Auburn's number 10. Yeah. Missouri, number 11. Kentucky, number 12. Vanderbilt, 13. And South Carolina, dead last 14. But, you know, you got to look at these in a number of ways here. For example, South Carolina, they're adding a ton of transfers. So right. they wanted to keep the high school prospects to a bare minimum here. And then, of course, Auburn, you know, you used to seeing them in the top 10 nationally. They're outside of the top 25. But, hell, they just had a coaching change. So, I mean, there's there's so many different ways to look at all this. And like I said, hell, Tennessee, 16 in the nation, but uh, most of those guys signed under Jeremy Pruitt, and they didn't even know who Josh Heupel was. Now he's their head coach. So, uh, you know, I'm not putting too much stock into any of these rankings right now, even Alabama's. I'm not trying to downgrade their historic class here, but this was an important note that I wanted to make, Shane, on the show. I got a lot of respect for these recruiting analysts, and I think they do a great job during a normal season, but we all know last year was just not a normal season. Right. Half these high school players, I don't know if the number's half, but many, many of them didn't even have a senior season of high school. Mm -hmm. So you're going off what they did as juniors. Uh, None of these sites, ESPN, Rivals, 24-7, none of them had their camps. They weren't allowed to have them, so they weren't able to evaluate the the players, you know, head-to-head or – you know, going up against other elite competition. We didn't have any of the Under Armour All-American game or the Army All-American game. Those had to be canceled. So, I don't know. I, I just really take this year's rankings. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean that all Alabama didn't have the best class or that South Carolina is going to turn out to have the, uh, one of the better classes. I'm not trying to make that case. But I'm just trying to say if you landed, you know, X amount of four stars and all this and or you're mad that you only got so many three stars and all this. I just don't put a ton of stock into the rankings this year because they're just so limited with uh, actually getting to, you know, evaluate these prospects. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's hard enough predicting the ones that you do get to see every day. So just imagine trying to do it. And, and like you said, going off junior tape, think of how many of these, some of these kids, the, the, the development that they probably had in one year, just in, and their physicality, and you weren't able to take notice in that. I mean, you can watch the the tangibles. You can see their size. You can see their 40s. You can do all that. But, you know, it's different when the lights are on. And, and you know, so I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, I think in this, this again, like you said, not taking anything away from, from teams like Bama or anything, but it, it's this is one of those that we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see what it looks like in spring. We're going to have to see what it looks like early fall and, and, uh, you know, who knows? Some of these kids, that's one thing that you have noticed in years past that a lot of these, you're seeing more and more true freshmen. You may see less of that next year because of what you just said, because of the less uh, camps and action that they were able to get into. So they may need more development as they get into college. Right. And I can go, go a step further because I've heard some of these coaches say, we've not even a officially measured these guys on like their height, their weight and their arm length. And uh, Kirby smart said, hell, there's many of these guys I never even met in person that we just signed. So 
Wow. And that's not a certainly not a lack of Kirby Smart knowing what he's doing on the recruiting trail. Just it all came mm-hmm. down to, you know, they were it's against the rules this year due to COVID. So, you know that that just says it all right there. If, if hell, they don't even know what the size and weight of some of these guys <laughs> they just signed. You know it. Oh man, he's gonna be surprised, man. You know, a lot of Instagram <laughs> models out there. <laughs> he looked good with the rock filter on, but now that he's on campus, <laughs> maybe we help him out to that portal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, speaking of recruiting, Shane, well, let's hop it hop on down right there to Tuscaloosa, where they had the number one class. Roll Tide. Because we got some terrific insight from the man himself. This uh, video went viral. This is another one that, uh, you know, came out while we were away. But Nick Saban's official recruiting pitch. Mm. I don't know who this recruit was that uh, recorded this with, I assume, without Saban's consent. But I would imagine he is not on the roster today. (laughs) Let's kick it over to uh, Coach Nick Saban, who is making the pitch for Alabama. uh, This was from a live Zoom call with a like I said, an unnamed recruit has not revealed, to my, at least to my knowledge, who he's speaking to here. But, uh, you know, that's a pretty solid pitch here from Coach Saban. Than anybody in the history of college football in the last 12 years. Won more championships. We've won six championships in the last 11 years. We've been in the national championship game eight out of the last 11 years. We've been in the playoffs nine out of the last 11 years. We got more guys drafted than any school in the country. We had 64 guys playing in the league last year. The next school had 41. So we got way more players playing in the league than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, everybody's going to tell you in recruiting, you know, oh, don't go to Alabama. You can play at our school before you can play there. They got all these good players there. Uh, you won't be able to play. You play at our place earlier. I think that's the worst stuff that people can tell you. Like, first of all, when they tell you that, they're first of all insulting me, right? Because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if you couldn't play here. Right. Number two, when they say you can play at our place before you can play at Alabama, they're just telling you Alabama's better than them. Yeah. Right, number two. Right, then number three right, is if you ask our players on our team, they'll tell you just the opposite. They'll tell you the competition may be better. Mm-hmm. You know, Marlon Humphrey will say, he played corner, first corner taken in the draft when he was a junior. He'll say, I had to cover Mari Cooper every day. Mari Cooper was the first receiver taken in the draft. All right. Like Cam Robinson played left tackle here, won the Alpha Trophy. Jonathan Allen played for the Redskins. He was the right end. He won the Gerson. They practice against each other every day for three years. All those guys will tell you that made me better. Right. The competition made me better. The guy I practiced against was better than the guy I played in the game against. So don't listen to that. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm trying to tell you. I know the same for everybody. Everybody can't play for the Yankees, man. I mean, you know. I mean, <laughs> Man, if you ever wondered what it was like to get pitched by the uh, greatest college coach of all time, there you have it, man. And even the people that uh, may hate Saban that's listening to this right now, 
You can't argue with the damn thing he just said. I mean, that's just uh-uh. that's the perfect pitch to elite recruits, and that's why Alabama just signed, you know, all these five stars and all these four star prospects. You know what? Not everybody be a Yankee, Mike. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the ultimate takeaway. Now this is uh, this is sales one on one. You got to remember that's what college football. I mean, when it boils down to it, it, it yes, it does get fundamentals and the schematics of game calling and things like that. But it's also about being a salesman. And that's one thing that Nick's always been able to do is get those recruits on the campus. And uh, you do that by, by mastering your art and having something like the record and and some of the, the accolades he was able to provide, you know, he knows exactly what's being used against him. He's not a dummy. So he's heard it all. These kids, you know, everyone that he's talked to, he's probably, it's not a canned pitch anymore. So uh, I loved it. I loved the little peek behind the curtain here, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm just glad that we got it. And hell, if uh, nothing else comes out of the Zoom recruiting calls, <laughs> at least we know what Dick Saban's selling to these prospects and uh-huh. and why they're doing so well down there on the recruiting front. God, imagine what he's saying in these living rooms, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, hop it on down to Athens next where... Hey, this also happened. This was huge news here, Shane, on the recruiting front. Now, not the uh, class that just signed, but the upcoming one, the 2022 class. Old Gunnar Stockton, Mm five-star quarterback, formally committed to Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Well, he's committed to Will Muschamp again, brother, because... Not only is Gunnar Stockton headed to Georgia, but Will Muschamp officially hired by Kirby Smart. We'll get to that in just a second, but this is just a, you know, a backbreaker on a couple different fronts here. You know, we just uh, on our last episode we had Nathan King of Auburn undercover look like Gunnar Stockton was trending towards Auburn. He's going to play for Mike Bobo there on the plains. Now, you know, out of the blue here, he decides he's going to Georgia. Now he's going to be playing against South Carolina. And mm-hmm. it's rare that we have a uh, quarterback commit here, Shane, where it breaks the hearts of multiple SEC schools here. But uh, that's what that's what we're getting here with Gunnar Stockton. And I think Georgia just picked up a commitment from the guy that uh, – hell, I, you know, it's not like I've studied all these 2022 20, quarterbacks, but from what I have seen of Gunnar Stockton, I don't, I don't know if there's a better one out there. Yeah, man, I, a lot of a lot of upset South Carolina fans. That's for sure, because you're gonna have to see them every year, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's 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 just a tough blow because you've had that kid in your back pocket for so long, and, and there's there's people that are saying, well, it's okay, wait till Gunner gets here, you know. <laughs> now, right. now you ain't got him, and then you got Muschamp down there, so that's that's got to be tough on them Gamecocks, and uh, it's a huge get for for Georgia, no doubt. I mean. Say what you want. Muschamp's a good coordinator. He's not, you know, look, that's how he got the head coaching position to begin with. So um, I, I think Georgia, just it's one of those kind of like Bama, just the rich get richer, you know. Well, let me ask you this, though, Shane, because the class Georgia just did sign, they landed a five-star quarterback. Everyone's excited about Brock Vandergriff, mm-hmm. one of the top dual-threat prospects in his class. So once again, I mean, Kirby Smart, Say what you want about his, uh, you know, his program's ability to develop and and make the right decision when it comes to quarterbacks. They bring them in like basically b- better than anybody. So 
we get into a situation here where once again it's you know it's it's one five star quarterback versus another and you know there's going to be a ton of pressure on him to make the right decision i'm i'm not saying you don't you don't recruit five stars just cuz you got one already but any i don't know any concern that uh that maybe the quarterback room's too loaded or you just rather you just rather have multiple and and let the best man win no i i think any opportunity to have more talent in that quarterback room you you're going to go with it because that's just competition and that's going to create, that's going to kind of what Saban was talking about earlier, you know, going against the best, you're going to be the best. So I think this is the same argument that Kirby can have with these players. And, you know, there's a lot of fans that probably look back and wish they would have went with fields or stuck with Fromm or went with uh, Eason or, you know, I mean, you mm-hmm. can go back and look at all the Georgia quarterbacks that come through there. And maybe there were some mistakes that Kirby made along the way, but, you know, I, I think with a loaded quarterback room, you're you're going to be fine. It's it's the the cream should rise to the top. He shouldn't have to make that decision. These players should be able to to just you know make that that decision for him. Yeah, I agree with you there because fans don't want to hear this, but you sign a five star quarterback, you think you're getting the next Peyton Manning. That's you know it's more realistically, it's about a fifty fifty shot here. So you sign two of them, you're hoping to hit with one of them. You should anytime there's a quarterback that shies away from competition, I think that's a guy that you really don't even want in your program. You you want the best exactly. And and if hell if they be hell if they're both awesome, then that means you're you're playing a guy that won a competition against another awesome prospect. You know what? exactly exactly. So I mean I'm not saying one of these guys ain't gonna be transferring out, and, and who knows it may be both of them when somebody else comes on the, but you just. You just gotta you gotta compete. I mean, if you want to win an SEC, if you want to be an SEC champ, that's what you gotta do. You you got to you gotta have these guys coming in with the mentality that they gotta compete for that position to get them to the you know to the championship game. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now I also wanted to play this clip real quick. Kirby Smart talking about the hire of Will Muschamp, just because um, you know that's such a such a big name in the, in the coaching world, especially here in the SEC. So. Let's kick it on over to Kirby. Kirby, obviously, uh, Will Muschamp's been spending a lot of time at the facility with you guys and maybe visiting Jackson as well. It's it, Obviously, he's relocated to this area. Is he going to join your staff in any kind of official capacity, or is he maybe helping out as a consultant, or what can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, as of last week, um, we were able to get things uh, completed uh, with Will. He'll be joining our, our staff in a uh, – off the field role, we call it an analyst, and um, he's already uh, made a lot of strides in terms of helping me, helping our staff. He'll be able to help coach the coaches, and um, he'll be working with the defensive side of the ball. But um, very, very valuable to have a guy that's been a head coach at two places in our conference. Uh, he knows the ins and outs of this conference. Uh, he'll be able to help uh, our staff, our coaches, um, in a lot of ways, and I'm excited to be able to uh, have him join us. To follow up on, on um, you making it official with Will Muschamp, did he express to you interest in eventually returning to an on-field role? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that anytime you're an aspiring coach, you want to get uh, on the field and get an opportunity to go coach on the grass. I know he's not through his coaching days. That's really important for him to be able to get out there and have the relationships and uh, go develop a position group and uh, coach. So I know that's important to him. And, uh his family's been his focus here recently because I know he feels like 
he's moved his family all over the country and this is an opportunity for him to to give back to them and be with them and um and be able to watch his son play all right Shane. so you know very interesting development here in athens where now we got you know say what you want about will muschamp's uh, ability to lead the program at florida and south carolina but he is a hell of a defensive coordinator great recruiter and now you know, he's not going all in here. He's not the new Georgia defensive coordinator or even a position coach or anything. But like Kirby says, he's going to coach the coaches. And, I mean, you said the rich get richer. I mean, this kind of spells it out to you, doesn't it, where you're getting an accomplished coach here to just kind of serve as an analyst in a part-time role. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, I mean, the Bulldogs are just – they're sparing no expense here to, to bring home a championship. You know what? And, and kudos to Coach Boom here, man. I mean, not running. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at Lyle Jones hiding down there in the basement for three or four years with Nick Saban. That's that's not what Boone does. He loses a Florida game, uh, job, you know, he goes down and gets another SEC job, then work, gets another position. He just, you, you know, he is determined, and, and he is a hell of a recruiter and a great defensive mind. You watch, watch, if you ever see him out with other head coaches, you just watch him. Everybody's talking to him. Everybody's listening. Like, he is the center. Because he's just a he's just a good guy, good personality. I'm assuming. So uh, I've never got to hang out with him, but it seems like that's that's what he's got going for him. So he's going to be down there. He's got plenty of head coaching experience, and there's going to be times that that Kirby may want to pick his brain, and uh, you know, because he has been around a lot of greats as well. So I don't know. I just think it's a, a huge get for Georgia, and it's it's one of those that you could easily overlook. You know, but there there may come something uh, later this season that, you know, whether it be scripting or, or, or play calling or something like that, 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 you know, don't be surprised if Muschamp has some sort of influence down there in Athens. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down to Gainesville next. Hell, the Dan Mullins program just lost an All-American, likely, you know, a top 10 pick here in Kyle Pitts. And then they turn it around and <laughs> land Eric Gilbert, of course, formerly of LSU. And we all thought Gilbert was headed to Athens to play for Kirby Smart. Hell, well, old Kirby, I mean, he's a hell of a recruiter, but he's struck out twice here with Eric Gilbert. It's not going to really hurt the Bulldogs that much, I wouldn't think. But, you know, this is huge for Florida, provided mm-hmm. that uh, Eric Gilbert shows up and is eligible next season. That's still kind of up in the air, but I don't know. What are your thoughts that uh, all of a sudden, I mean, Florida, you know, they may have had the two best tight ends in all the SEC last season in back-to-back years here with, uh, with getting Eric Gilbert to commit to, to join Dan Mullins program. Well, and you look at what, I mean, this should be an easy pitch. If, like Dan's not known for being a hell of a recruiter, but he could just turn the tape on and say, "Hey, look, I can do this for you." And, and I think if if you know Gilbert, he was there was rumors he was going to other places and things like that. And obviously, I'd love to see him wear orange, but that wasn't going to happen. And and I just think that what's the next best thing? You know, he wasn't he wasn't the center of attention. It felt like in LSU. I think he will be when he's when he's down there with the Gators. Right, and don't forget uh, the Gators have a tight ends coach, Tim Brewster. He is one hell of a uh, tight ends coach and recruiter, and this is just the latest feather in his cap. So, you know, it's like you said, they could just pitch. You're the next Kyle Pitts. 
You know, That's it. <laughs> who in the hell knew who that was when he signed with Florida? Now he's the best tight end in the nation, maybe right. in Florida history. So you got more tools, you got more profile. Maybe you can outdo, maybe you can win the Heisman, you know, as uh, right. some people thought maybe Pitts could this year. So, you know, I take that to the next level, become uh, the next great Gator. And, and, you know, one thing I do need to note here, though, not that I think he's wavering on his commitment. I've not heard anything of that sort, but uh, I, I believe he missed the deadline for enrolling in classes. He may be able to take them online, but uh, to my knowledge, this isn't official till the day he steps on campus and, and takes classes. And So he could still go to another school? I think so. That's my understanding. Now, like I said, now they're all doing the online. So I don't know. He may have jumped on an online class, and that may lock him into it. But, you know, maybe that's what's happening, but I've not yet heard that. Uh, but just with how strange kind of his recruitments and story <laughs> has been, you know, I've never ruling anything out. But uh, And then the final hurdle is, you know, who knows if he's going to be able to be eligible next season. There's a, you know, they thought the NCAA was going to make it to where all guys were eligible last offseason. That didn't come to pass. So hopefully they get that done this year. But just because the NCAA allows it doesn't mean the SEC will. So mm-hmm. we'll see. LSU's probably going to be <laughs> – they may be a no on that vote. But uh, – I guess we'll we'll get to that bridge. Or, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But just a couple things to to keep uh, in mind there. I hope Eric Gilbert can play for Florida next year because they need to make up for the loss of Kyle Pitts. And I mean, he's just a perfect piece to do it. Or Tennessee. I mean, you're saying there's a chance there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, power of positive thinking, Mike. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Speaking of that, let's uh, jump it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig. You know, I kind of clued it in that uh, Barry Odom, you know, maybe not locked up with Arkansas. Well, that's no longer the case because he's now the highest paid assistant coach in Arkansas history. Shane, he's making 1.75 mil per season. And Arkansas stepped up. Got Barry Odom to uh, sign on the dotted line, and I would imagine part of that comes with uh, they had a GA named Michael Scherer. He was a standout Missouri linebacker, one of the best linebackers they've had since, uh, well, until Nick Bolton came along. But uh, Scherer came with Odom from Missouri to Arkansas. Now they've promoted Scherer to the linebackers coach. So, you know, you're giving Odom all this money. You're promoting his guys. That's That was a big step, I think to keeping mm-hmm. Coach Odom happy and, the, and that defensive staff, how he wants it. And uh, Arkansas has also announced the hires of defensive line coach Jamil Ashley, who was at, uh, I want to say, Tulsa, where they had a really good defense at Tulsa. And then he hired a, this was interesting, tight end coach. They let go of a guy named John Cooper. They bring in Cody Kennedy from Southern Miss. And he worked with Sam Pittman at Georgia, but he's basically an offensive line coach. So they've hired a tight ends coach that that knows offensive line. And that tells me, you know, that's right up Sam Pittman's alley where he just wants his tight ends to be better blockers and uh, better. He wants better recruiting from his guys as well. So I think that's why these moves were made. But a lot of moving and shaking from the Arkansas staff. And then perhaps the biggest news here for Arkansas fans Arkansas State, where it's one of those deals where the fans don't really consider it a rival, and and I certainly understand that they're a Sun Belt team, and uh, 
you know, they made the big jump up to FBS and, and now they think they're, you know, on Arkansas's level. But Arkansas has finally agreed to play them. They're going to play in 2025 in Little Rock. So it's just it's just kind of cool how it's, that game's finally come together. And I love the, the fact that, uh, you know, we get these fan bases that argue about which one's better and all this. But I really want to see it played out on the field. And I think uh, I think college football deserves these type of games. You know what? Yeah, I mean, they refused, wasn't it? They refused to play any team inside Arkansas there for a long time. Right. So uh, I think this is uh, this could be interesting. I don't think it's going to be a ball game. I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> rosters are going to look like, but they're going to find out real quick. They wish they didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> pick a fight with the big boys. So, uh, but I, I'm I'm all for it. Any time to strengthen your borders, and that's what you do when you have some of these these uh, these interstate games. You know, it's just it's just bragging rights. Right, and this is a, also a deal where by playing this uh, the Arkansas State here in Little Rock, Arkansas most likely or most assuredly, I would say, they're not going to play an SEC opponent in Little Rock. They are scheduled to play, you know, every other year in Little Rock, and they always want an SEC opponent over there. But, you know, I've kind of made my feelings known on that. It's it's just not a good deal for the Arkansas program. So uh, I'll hit on that on the other side, but uh, let's jump over to Sam Pittman real quick who talks about uh, this game and, and why it's important to him. And I'll say this, that recruiting has to get better for us. And I believe that these guys uh, that we hired are going to help us in that area, along with uh, coaching on the football field. Um, Wanted to ask first, um, obviously the big announcement yesterday was Arkansas, Arkansas State. And I know that Hunter uh, had kind of really talked about how you wanted to get as many SEC teams in Fayetteville to play as possible. So can you kind of talk us through how all of that went down in the addition of the Red Wolves? Well, um, I wanted to, honestly, I wanted to play as many SEC games here, like you said. a big part of that, Alyssa, is for recruiting. Um, so we can get recruits in here. Uh, we play Missouri the last game of the year. Um, we certainly want an opportunity to see the kids before, um, you know, before we go out on the road recruiting. Uh, certainly you can get uh, kids here that you can recruit in classes that are not the immediate class that you're recruiting that you can talk to uh, where as you go out on the road, you cannot. Uh, you can, obviously, if they're in the current class you're recruiting, but it, you can't the other way. I felt like we would lose a huge opportunity. Uh, so, and uh, uh, the, that's basically it. And Arkansas State, uh, we're excited to have them scheduled. I want to be the coach at Arkansas when we go down there. I don't want to answer a whole lot of questions. If I'm not the coach, we'll let the next guy do it. But I want to be the coach, and that's the plan. And we're excited to uh, continue our relationship with Little Rock. Uh, I think that's uh, uh, a wonderful thing down there, and we're looking forward to playing Pine Bluff down there this year. So that's kind of how it went, how it went down, and and uh, I visit with Hunter about it, and and uh, I know there was a lot to get in the Arkansas State game. but All right, so Sam Pittman kind of <laughs> sort of committed to 2025, but uh, I just thought that was a great 
you know, comment there, but clearly he's sticking, uh, he, he's planning to be the head coach for a number of years here at Arkansas till he's got this thing right. But, you know, this is what I'm talking about, Shane, where I know I'm not, I never try to piss off fans from uh, Little Rock. That's been such a great, you know, traditional site there for the Razorbacks for, for many years. And Arkansas is a, a unique state, the natural state where they like to, you know, claim all four corners of that state. But when you yeah. pull games out of Fayetteville, you're hurting recruiting, you're hurting the program. This is uh, something that uh, the likes of Alabama and Auburn and Ole Miss and Mississippi State used to do, we used to, you know, play the home games at another site. But uh, the SEC has really kind of gone out of its way to penalize you for doing it. And it's mm-hmm. time it's time for Arkansas to kind of get with the program here and if you're already fighting an uphill battle against LSU and Alabama and all these damn schools, you just can't do anything that uh, it's just going to make that more difficult on you. You know what? Yeah. And that includes Jerry world, man. You know, that yeah. that, that game should never be played down there. And uh, I kind of like this and I like the commitment that, that this school is starting to make for its staff. You know, coach Odom was a hot name in the off season and what they do, they go out and they made him the highest paid you know, coordinator in history. So I, I just, I like the commitment to the program and uh, these guys, you know, little things like this, it may not seem much, but if you can, if you can bring all those games home and, and you can start, you know, bringing the recruits in and you're not, you're not handicapped anymore. So I, I think this is big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to hit on your point, like next season, they only got three home games against SEC teams and you know, that's, you're just, just it's a, you're fighting an uphill battle doing it that way. Exactly. So I mean, it's hard enough right now. Why you're, yeah. I mean, clearly they had a great season last year, but let's build off that. Let's keep growing, and and you do that by making things easier for your head coach, not harder. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's kick it on down to Columbia, South Carolina, where you know I talked about it here for when we were talking about the recruiting, but South Carolina's class of certainly a much smaller class than any class in the SEC with only 13 commits. But, you know, they've been heavy in the transfer portal. And mm-hmm. that includes – they landed a pair of uh, FCS standout players here, Shane Quarterback, Jason Brown, and receiver E.J. Jenkins. I believe E.J. Jenkins is like six foot seven, And mm-hmm. he's, he's not just a possession receiver. He's a, you know, game-breaking talent. They both played for St. Francis last – well, they didn't play uh, – there was no FCS football in 2020 due to COVID. So these guys, I believe, uh, each have at least two years of eligibility remaining, but two of the best players at that level in 2019. And, hell, South Carolina can use all the, the help they can get. So, <laughs> I mean, I think these are big additions. And then they turned around and, and hired their running backs coach, Montario Hardesty. Uh-huh. Who you know all Tennessee fans know that name, a former Vol. He's uh, he comes from Charlotte. That's where he was at on the coaching staff there last year. But he's been at Tennessee. He's been at a, a couple other spots coaching. So I I like that addition after they lost Des Kitchens to the NFL. Uh, but uh, I w- I wanted to play this quick clip on uh, Shane Beamer on on why their class is so small and how they kind of intended it to be that way and his thoughts on. Uh, the transfer additions of Jason Brown and EJ Jenkins. Excited about the group of guys that we've been able to add to our program uh, today. A lot of those guys that we're talking about are already here, which is fantastic. Um, you know, 
small number of a signing class. We, we knew that going into it. Uh, when you look at our signing class numbers and rankings, yeah, it's small, it's low. That was on purpose. No one talks about when you talk about the signing class and rankings and things like that, the guys that transferred in from other places that are fantastic football players that are going to help this team uh, immediately. So we went into it, talked about it when I got here in December, that it was a signing class that was, that was small back in December. That was intentional allowed us to jump into as I as I hired this coaching staff what exactly are our schemes going to be what's the personnel that we need for those schemes who else is out there me learning about our current roster here at Carolina and what we needed uh, which allowed us then to go into the rest of December and all of January and really attack those position needs and we certainly uh, certainly did that. We were selective with the guys that we brought into this program. It wasn't just looking at the transfer portal and saying, let's go get the 10 most talented guys or whatever that we could. They had to fit the environment and the culture that we're trying to bring in here. Feel like we have, or they do. But when you talk about being able to you know, add a transfer quarterback that was an honorable mention All-American preseason All-Conference player. We added a wide receiver that scored 13 touchdowns last season, added another wide receiver that was his team's leading wide receiver at Georgia Tech in 2019, and tied some of Calvin Johnson's receiving records, a defensive back that uh, has experience at a high-level program like Georgia Southern, uh, an edge rusher in Jordan Strawn that led the nation in sacks, not his conference, not the team, not the university, the nation in sacks. Uh, being able to add a defensive lineman in Joaquin Green that uh, has played at a high level at Nebraska that's a big body on the inside, and then Debo Williams at linebacker that was the player of the year in the state of Delaware coming out of high school. So when you put those guys together, uh, it's an impressive group. So what those rankings may have come out to be, don't know. I know it would be higher than what it is right now, and all, I, all that matters to me is these guys are solid people that are hungry and excited to be at Carolina and can't wait to see what we're going to be able to accomplish together. All right, so that's where South Carolina is at right now, and I think it's, um, you know, it may, I don't want to say hurt you down the line because I think what really hurts you is not winning on the football field, but yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, this is an interesting strategy, but I think it's the right strategy because South Carolina is going to need some help right away coming off a two-win season. And and they've got a manageable schedule next season, too. Let's not forget that. But, you know, if they find a way to surprise a couple teams here or there and, and make it to a bowl, uh, then I think the recruiting is really going to take a big boom and, and it's going to make this strategy work if, if that's what happens next season. You know what? Yeah, but, I mean, God, Mike, I've seen the transfer game before, and it's it's really hard. I mean, sometimes you're going to land one or two that, that can be a key contributor for the team, but just thinking that all these guys are, are going to be relied on is is a little disheartening, I, I, I would I would say. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not trying to play Debbie Downer here, but I'm just trying to, you know, set realistic expectations. There's a reason that they weren't in uh, Division One to begin with. Right. No, I hear you. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to be as <laughs> as optimistic as I can, but. I, I think I think if you're playing with transfers and they do pan out, but you know they, that's the key. Me saying if they pan out because, like yeah. you said, they don't always do it. But I would rather go into a season with those guys than I would a bunch of high school freshmen, just because I just think that's so damn hard in the SEC. And we know, yeah, you know, South Carolina 
they got to play Clemson on top of their SEC schedule. So they they just need the bodies right now. You know what? Yeah, and, and competitive depth. I, I think that's important because that's usually – games are, are, are lost late in the season because there's just not a lot of added depth there. And, you know, some of these kids, are they're older, holding weight, heavier. So – uh, maybe maybe that would be a good thing. So yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be. Maybe it's the medicines, Mike. I don't know. Yeah, I'm try. I'll try to be a little bit more positive moving forward. It's just, it's tough it, because I've been there. I've seen. I've seen this. We're you know. I've seen several teams during a transition, and you try to get some of these older kids in and and, and try to help you out. Sometimes it does. Some most of the time it doesn't. So, um, I, but I think you're right. Uh, Beamer's just looking at warm bodies right now, and the more he can get on that campus, the better. So, uh, so maybe this is some, you know, this is what they have to do. Mm-hmm. All right. The last thing about these guys, uh, the, the transfers they got from the FCS, Shane. I wanted to make this note real quick. They played in the Northeast Conference. Uh oh. And it, the, the quarterback over three thousand passing yards, twenty eight touchdowns, but. Here's the star, man. The receiver, 39 catches, 779 yards, 13 touchdowns. Wait, 39, 39 catches and 13 touchdowns? Yes, sir. He's a big, <laughs> big play waiting to happen. So, you know, get used to this name, E.J. Jenkins. I think he's going to play a lot. South Carolina needs receiver help, and I think Jenkins is going to give it to him. Is this the six seven guy? Yes, sir. All right. What was that, Plaxico Burris? I remember him until he shot himself in the leg. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> well, no, I'm not saying he does that, but yeah, no, throw, throw it up to him. You know, Cager was another one uh, with Georgia, you know, these big bodied mm-hmm. receivers. So um, that's where they need some depth, man. They need some help. So, yeah, I mean, you get, you get somebody at six, seven. I mean, they're pretty much always open. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge real quick, where LSU finalized uh, their defensive staff here. They got defensive line coach Andre Carter. He was formerly with the uh, New York Jets, and that's the guy that uh, I believe he was a top 10 pick in the NFL by San Francisco 49ers. I mean, a long time NFL career. And then how about this, Shane? They hired Miami defensive coordinator Blake Baker, but they – you know, it's not often you get a defensive coordinator and then you get him to coach your linebackers, but LSU managed to pull that off. And, and from what I know, Miami's got a pretty good defense. So, you know, that's a bit of a coup there. And LSU's got themselves a, a full-on defensive staff here. And then after making these hires, Coach O talked about, uh, you know, his involvement with the defense moving forward. We know, you know, he's very hands-off with the offense, but – He's an old defensive line coach. That's you know what he loves more than anything, and he wants to get his hands back on that uh, position group moving forward. Hey, coach. Good morning. Um, two questions: What did you learn from your previous hires that you tried to utilize during this search? And my second question was: Is it important for you to get minority coaches on staff? You talked about relating to the players. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you really targeted and wanted? Yes, it was important to get minority uh, coaches on our staff that uh, could relate to our players, but also great coaches. And uh, these guys fit both of those categories. And, uh, you know, one of the things I did in the interview, Mike, is I wanted to make sure that those guys were okay with me being involved in the defense. And and I'm going to be involved in the defense, and I want to be involved, especially when it comes to the front. 
uh, I had let that go a little bit, and uh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so I'm going to be more involved with the defense. And uh, every time that I interviewed every guy, I told them, I said, listen, here's what I expect. Here's what I'm going to do. Do you agree to it? And uh, obviously they agreed to it. So I get a chance to be uh, given my expertise on the defense along with these coaches. All right, so pretty interesting uh, comments there, Shane, from Coach O, considering, mm-hmm. hell, two years ago won the national championship. <laughs> He's talking about the mistakes <laughs> that they're making. But, hey, that's part of it, man. You don't just rest – you know, sit back and rest on your laurels. He's trying to improve his defense moving forward. And I think he's kind of, you know, ashamed of how defense, the defense played at LSU last season. So you go out here and you hire a guy with uh, multiple years of playing in the NFL, coaching in the NFL, yet you're still letting them know, you know, I'm going to be right there with you coaching up mm-hmm. the defensive line. And uh, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting comment. Yeah. I like it, man. Yeah. I mean, Think about it. We didn't talk about that terrible Super Bowl game, but, you know, you talk about neutralizing Patrick Mahomes. They did it with that defensive front. And, you know, it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Coach O's looking at. If I, if, I can, if I can get some of that LSU back, some of that defensive line back, then, you know, that, that equalizes every game that you're in. If It doesn't matter who's back there, quarterback, they're running for their life. So, um, I like that. I, fiery Coach O, you know he's going to be he's going to be killing it in that uh, in that defensive line class. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Uh, last thing here, let's kick it on down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Where uh, you know, right before we hopped on the pod here, Chance Campbell, former Maryland linebacker, announced he's headed to play for Ole Miss, and uh, he was an honorable mention All Big Ten. Maryland, I think. From what I understand, this guy only played in four games. Hell, for all I know, that's all Maryland played last year, playing in the Big Ten. <laughs> but he had 42 tackles, Shane, in, in four games. He was recruited to Maryland by D.J. Durkin, who's now a, the co-defensive coordinator there at Ole Miss. So mm-hmm. there's already a connection. And we all know, you know, Ole Miss, that was the part, the, the side of the ball they really struggled. And then they turned around and hired a, a defensive line coach while we were away, Randall Joyner. They got him from SMU, and in 2019, SMU ranked number one in the nation in sacks per game, top three in tackles for loss, and then they did that again in 2020. They were top 15 in tackles for loss. So looks like, uh, you know, for all the, the thrills that we get from Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby's offense and, and Matt Corral running the thing, it looks like they're making a big commitment to, towards fixing that defensive side of the ball, which is what they really need to do there at Ole Miss if they're going to be a serious contender to, uh, to you know, a threat in the SEC West, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, that's the moves you want to see right there. You don't want to just let's say, be complacent, say, well, we'll just try to outscore everybody. If you can see some, some development and growth on that side, then uh, watch out, man. Ole Miss, they done showed you they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I know I already said one more thing, but uh, <laughs> little Tennessee news here for you, Shane, and Texas A&M, because uh, Jameer Johnson, former yeah. Tennessee offensive lineman, he announced he's going to Texas A&M. I think, mm. uh, you know, with their losses on the offensive line, they could certainly use him. And I don't know that he'll be a starter next season, but I, he'll certainly be in the mix. Anytime you get a grad transfer senior, you, you know, I, I assume they think they're going to start right away. So, that could be a bonus there for the Aggies. And then in addition to losing him, kicker Brent Samaglia announced he's leaving Tennessee, but then they turned around and added 
USC grad transfer kicker Chase McGrath. So I looked him up. He's pretty solid, but it's just pretty wild how Tennessee, you, you lose uh-huh. one guy via the transfer portal like kicker, and you, you just that's where we're at in college football, man. You say, well, okay, well, hell, who's in this portal that wants to come <laughs> kick for Tennessee? <laughs> we're not searching the frat houses for one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Could be worse. (laughs) All right, buddy. So that's all I got. Uh, Anything uh, you got before we hop off here? No, Mike, that's the most action I've had all week. I think I'm going to need a nap after this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, it's good talking to you, man. Uh, I enjoyed your pictures and, Mike's a big foodie like me, and he he sent me pictures of every damn thing he ate up there. And I'm eating. I, well, that's the thing, you know. When you ain't got taste, it's like all all bets are like I was eating something the other day. Uh, what did they make? They made stew beef, and there was like green beans in. It. I hate green beans, but I couldn't taste it. So I was like, well, might as well eat them. Apparently, they're good for you. You know, what I'm, <laughs> you know I'm looking at your pictures of the ribs and the, all the smokehouses you went to, man. That looked fantastic. <laughs> So uh, I am extremely jealous, but I'm glad to get back on here with you, uh, talk a little foosball, and, uh, you know, I, I know the football's officially done. Uh, the Super Bowl, we had that, uh, but, you know, this it's, it's now recruiting season. It's now, uh, what do they call it, list season. So we got that coming up. And, of course, talking any season. talking season, you know, chewing the fat season. So – Anything comes out, uh, Mike's going to let me know. We'll be sure to jump on here and let you guys know. Absolutely. And uh, like I promised before, I went away back on the grind. So yeah, I'll be making uh, some phone calls, trying to get on the line, trying to get us some uh, insight from all across the SEC. Now I got uh, now that I'm back in the office, I got time to, to get to all that and hopefully bring you guys tons of SEC content heading into spring football because, uh, hell, I know the season's over, but there's still a lot going mm-hmm. on, and we like to be the pod that brings it to you on uh, each and every team here in the SEC when we got something. So yeah. we, we're not going anywhere all off season. Appreciate y'all uh, joining us. Really appreciate you, Shane. Happy yeah. that uh, that you beat the COVID here. <laughs> <laughs> I beat it, and I appreciate all the listeners reaching out. There was a lot of support asking how I was doing. Uh, I, I appreciate everybody and the kind words. Really meant a lot to me. Absolutely. Well, thanks as always, Shane, for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go ball. Kiss my ass, COVID.